Dr. Pepper. <laughs> the doodoo man is refreshed. I'm not into soda like that. I'm not at all. But for some reason, this is so delicious. And this is not Mr. Pibb. Fuck Mr. Pibb. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince? Could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince. Is that world famous disc jock, inventor of the skit and hip hop, and damn, we want a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. Questions on behalf of the super fans, yeah. Cause I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs, cause he has a ton, yeah. And like that, a podcast begun, cause he answered, well, what had happened was. Good evening out there, internets, or morning, or afternoon. This is technology, as you listen to it whenever you damn well please. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and I'm coming. And, ha, ha. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and I'm coming. At- <laughs> That's right. It's a Sunday. It is. <laughs> My name is Open Mike Eagle, and I'm coming at you live once again with the one and only Mr. Prince Paul. All right, all right. Oh, he switched up his ad lib. That's right. I switched up everyone. We're, we're, in, we're in for a live one today. Every show, I switch them up. This is what had happened was a show where we take a deep dive on the moments in the illustrious, illustrious career. Illustrious. Of the one and only <laughs> Mr. Prince Paul. And on this week's episode, we get to talk about something that's a little bit off of your beaten path in mm. terms of your career, mm. but seemed to have worked out mm. pretty damn well. I would say. And that is your work um, what is with it? the one and only Chris Rock. Chris. Chris yes. Rock. Chris. Yes. You produced three albums for him. We did three albums. We did uh, the first one was Roll With The New, Bigger and Blacker. And the last one we did was called Never Scared. If I remember correctly, it, yes, those are those are correct. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> get bonus points for everything you remember correctly. Um, so the first one comes out in 1997. Wow, was that long ago? Yeah, Roll with the New came out Ooh. in 1997. Ooh. So I'm really interested in what is happening in your career at the time and how this comes to be that you're working with Chris Rock on this album. Oh man, this is like, this is a godsend because I just finished kind of declaring my career over. (laughs) You know, I went through a custody battle for my son. I wasn't working with Daylight anymore. I put out this record on an independent label called Psychoanalysis, Mm -hmm. which was supposed to be the nail in the coffin to my career. You were ending it. it It was, I was like, yo, this is it. I'm gonna have to... Go back to work. Yeah. Like a real job. You were going to have to go get that union job. Or what? That's what I'm saying. Office. I was going to post I was feeling good. I haven't worked in a regular job in so many years. So I make psychoanalysis, which was like a collection of skits and, well, skit type songs. Just like, it was just a bizarre record. And weirdly enough, they marketed the record as a 
comedy hip hop album. It was weird. Oh, okay, I, it, but it wasn't. So it, you might have ended up in the comedy bin at Sam Goody. I don't know where I ended. Up. I, I don't think I even ended up in Sam Goody. <laughs> it, was, it was that of a low, like budget, low volume record. You know what I'm saying? But it caught the ear of a few people, and one of the people it caught the ear of was Chris Rock. I see. And I get this call. I had a phone mate. Remember those? No, uh, so phone. Was oh, that the answering machine? The answering machine I with see. the tape in it. And <laughs> I listened. You know, I hit the button, and it's like, "Hey, man, it's Chris Rock." And I'm like, "What? Chris Rock?" And I'm like. Yeah, man, uh, I'm thinking about working on this album, thinking about you um, producing a track. I heard Psychoanalysis, and uh, I'm like, yeah, right. And he sent, you know, something. He goes, call me back, 917, da-da-da-da. I'm like, and cool. Where, where are you staying at this time? This <laughs> Oh, man, it was hard on the boulevard. Uh, I was staying in the basement okay. of a house. Well, it's going to, right, whoa, whoa, it was me, right? I was staying in the basement of the house. That I bought for my mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it had crickets, right? It had random stuff in it, and I had all my equipment, and I slept on a futon, all, and it was all cramped in one this little space. This is the space. same basement you produced Prince Among Thieves in. Prince Among Thieves, and yeah, I was there for a minute, you know. But anyway, getting back, he called, and I'm thinking, even though I wasn't me and Daylight stopped working together, I thought it was a joke. I thought it, they, I right. thought they like you know how we give people numbers and right. I, not that they get Chris Hack number. I thought they were trying to fool me. Right. So because that was y'all thing from back when we talked about it on De La So Is Dead. Y'all would give people's, give you guys' phone numbers out to different people oh, and all say, the time. Hey, call call Paul, call Dave, call yeah. Merce. Hey man, the, the phone. You know there was no rules. You know, <laughs> was, anything goes. So I call back the number. Uh, with my reluctant voice. I'm like, yeah, can I speak to Chris Rock? <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, what's up? Nah, I can't really do Chris Rock voice. And I'm like, yeah, so what you working on? <laughs> like the whole time, I'm just not believing him. And finally, as we go on, I'm like, this really is Chris Rock. Well, and how how big of a star is he at the time? So I'm guessing this is like 96 since the album came out in 97. I don't know how long it took to make this first one, but how big of a star is Chris Rock at this time? I just remember... His big thing then was New Jack City. Oh, yeah. And that that was years. This is, has been a few years after mm -hmm. New Jack City. But he was not Chris Rock, Chris Rock. Right. It took this, actually, the album, the stand-up that he did on this album is what propelled him mm -hmm. at that point. You know, it's like, oh, my God, Chris Rock, a uh, comedian. And the Chris Rock show followed and all right. the other accolades and movies I and stuff. I wonder if he was even on SNL at this time. I think this might be post SNL because I remember it was post SNL because at some point he invited me to go to SNL because he was hosting. Ah, okay. So, so this is after. Right. But anyway, we're, we're having this conversation and I'm not believing him. I'm like, yeah, it's not Chris Rock. And then finally, I am believing him. And I say, man, I'm so sorry. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was daylight. It's like, nah, man, it's me for real. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to produce. I'm thinking like one song or one thing that I'm doing on this album. I'm like, bet, you know, let's meet up and let's talk about it. And I went to a spot in Brooklyn and we just got along really well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's like we were old friends. Do you remember what the one song was that he was planning for you to do? No, not at all. And and that's the strange thing that happened was it ended up like producing one thing. I don't know if it was a song, could have been a skit, could have been anything. Mm -hmm. Like he just said song. So who who knows what it could have been. I wanted producing the whole thing because we got along well. And his thing, which to me was very um, flattering, was, Paul, I like working with you because you get the joke. You mm -hmm. get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, so 
we were able to sit down and yeah, and then that happens and then right. da, 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 <laughs> you know, and just chuckle and and build and and kind of come up with just stupid stuff to do. <laughs> so so how long does it take once you guys start working together? Because he comes into it saying he just wants this one thing. So what you assume then is he was just going to do like a normal stand up album and maybe have like one skit or something, right? But a hallmark of every album that y'all make is like. It is mostly skits and like stand up kind of interspersed between, which is something I had never really heard before these, these came out. So how did it get to that level? Was this one of you guys' idea or how did that how did that develop? Well, from what I remember correctly is he was like, OK, I have the stand up I did for HBO. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. You know, obviously DreamWorks, which had just signed him, obviously wanted to stand up. I don't think they were really knowing that we were going to put sketches on it. Right. But we kind of sold them the idea of think of. Cheech and Chong mm -hmm. with the stand up in between. Okay, that, that's kind of what we want to do. Like um, audio sketches yeah. in between the stand up. Yeah. And I think DreamWorks was like, okay, but you sure you want Prince Paul to produce the whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they was on board, if I remember correctly, on, on having me produce the whole thing. You know, they were. Who did they have in mind? Quincy Jones? Like, who, I don't know. Who, who I think they I th was going to do this. You know, when labels, I think they're probably like track masters or something. <laughs> right. I, you know, right. you know it, it, and Chris would always make that joke. Anytime I did something or maybe something that he was a little sketchy, go put his hand next to the phone. Got track masters. <laughs> track masters right here. They just won't call away. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> funny, man. Every Everybody bullies you with the phone, man. Yeah, they man. Like Chris. Like, <laughs> yeah, track masters. And then I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, that's how we more or less approached it and, and sold it to the label. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they gave Chris free reign to do whatever. Awesome. And that's the first time I've ever worked with a company or, you know, where there was like, the budget was ever flowing. And mm -hmm. it seemed like to me, it's like, yeah, man, whatever you need. I'm like, whatever I need? Whoa. I went and ordered a whole Pro Tools setup because student had Pro Tools. Like, we can own this Pro Tools setup. 
buy Pro Tools set. Like we was just buying things. Wow. And just I'm like, whoa, it was just, it was just like I felt like pretty woman. <laughs> man, we're going shopping, man. I'm like, what? Oh, I love this dress. <laughs> I felt pretty. <laughs> so y'all's relationship starts with 1997's role with the new. There's a skit that starts that album. And, you know, when you put on a comedy album, you're not used to expecting to hear <laughs> a skit. The skit, I think, is called Crickets, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and knowing, you know, you was in that house at that time. <laughs> definitely had some that crickets, had the crickets. Was that was that something that was inspired by your, your no, place? Nothing, nothing y'all. This is, this is all Chris. And, and okay. as we made Crickets, and I would say in addition to that, the rest of the album, we were like, this is so stupid. This is dumb. Like, people are not going to get this. This is, you know, it's like when you joke with you and your friends and you got private jokes. Got inside jokes. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it was kind of like that in a sense. So, you know? like, the sketch happens like a comedian gets introduced and he's bombing and there's crickets and slowly everything fills up with noise and you can't hear what the comic is saying. There's a name edited out when he's introduced. Do you remember, like, was that a real name? What? Does the name edit it out? Yeah, the name is edited out. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Because I, I was wondering if that was a decision that, you know, the label made or something. But, yeah. It must have been. Yeah, we probably didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Right. That's what I was wondering. Like, did y'all go at somebody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah some, it, I, who it was, I don't remember. But I do have still have the masters. I'll have to listen to that. And I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, see, that'll that'll be our that's our bonus material. Whenever, <laughs> whenever. <laughs> We're gonna figure out the bonus material what? as we go. I'll tell you. So there's also OJ press conference. Oh, the OJ press conference. Where yeah. It's like OJ's doing a press conference and reporters are asking him questions, but instead of, you know, answering himself, there's like a different part of a hip hop song oh. that answers instead. OJ, can you tell everyone where you're from? And when you got rich, where did you move? Yeah. So how did that come about? That seems like something you definitely had a big hand in. Oh, you know, me and Chris talked about this record that came out in the 70s called Mr. Jaws. Mm -hmm. And what it did was it was the same concept. Well, Mr. Jaws, uh, what did you do when you ate? Because Jaws was the big movie back then. When you ate such and such and they threw in like disco, disco duck. And it was the answer to the question. And we're like, yo, that's pretty cool. And then they had another one called um, something Superfly. It was a black version of that, but it was like same thing. They would ask questions and they would throw in whatever the R&B song was in, in that day, Soul Record. And we was like, yo, that hasn't been done since then. It'd be really funny if we do it with hip hop songs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, OJ was the big thing back then. Right. So OJ press conference. And man, it was hard to put that together. I mean, I had Pro Tools, thank God, but it was a headache in clearing all of those hip-hop songs. That was another question. Did y'all have to clear each and every piece, oh, of course. every song? Of course. And, and, you know, this is different. It's DreamWorks, you know, and they're not playing around. You know what I'm so saying? So they're not, they're not going to just say, oh, this one will be under the radar. They want to clear each and every individual Each and everything. Song. And you got to say, Chris's main money isn't stuck on this album. Tim, this is just fun. Right. We know if, he's not even looking at what's to be made. He's like, yeah, yeah whatever, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Me, being a producer, I'm always thinking budget. Mm -hmm. Well, this is going to cost this. Well, the bottom line should be this, and we're going to come in over budget. And, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, I've never had that before. There's right. so much freedom in making this record. 
and it didn't come out my check, which is even, <laughs> you know, I was, you know, I'm watching budget because I'm thinking I have a block of money. And if I use all of this up, what's going to be left over for me to live off of? Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. It was just, I don't know. It was just very infinite, <laughs> you know, as it appeared at the time. So in terms of the creative on that skit, like who wrote out the responses or who picked out the records that would be used to answer the questions? Or how did, how did that part work? Um, it, it was, well, we had a few people working on that album, writing. Uh, it was Chris, um, Ali, Leroy, mm-hmm. um, um, Lance Crowther, who played Pootie Tang. Yeah. Uh, Wanda Sykes uh, was writing, um, and obviously Chris and myself. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, collective. Okay, this is the question. Oh, we know to be funny. Oh, so mm-hmm. then everybody kind of just shouts out yeah, different we, we, different we, songs they think could be. Yeah, we, we would chime in, but it was primarily Chris because right. that that was you know that was his baby, you know. And Which was his baby? Just putting in all the the songs, like okay. yo. Chris has an infinite knowledge of hip hop. Like he, he's one of those guys that he should have been a, like a writer for the voice or something, gotcha. the village voice, because he knows the songs, knows the artist, knows the year it came out, personally knows the artist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, yo, you know, he was one of the guys, probably not as much nowadays, but definitely back then I would go, what should I buy? You know what's really good? Track 14 of da-da-da-da, and he had the record, and he's, yeah. So for him putting this together, um, the OJ press conference was like a piece of cake because he can recall a billion hip-hop songs. So when it comes to clearing samples, um, like if you're making hip-hop records and you're clearing jazz stuff, soul stuff, you know, you got to run in a— Maybe a lot of difficulties based on those artists or their labels not understanding the genre, maybe not respecting it because right. it's new. Is it any different when you sample in other hip hop artists? Like, is there any more lenience in terms of like the prices? Are they trying to get over? Like, is, especially if you have relationships with these artists, does that tend to make any kind of difference? No, hmm. not not at all. It, it's almost even worse. Really? Because, you know, the, the irony is, you, you know, like hip-hop artists want leniency and, and, and you know when they're going to clear samples oh man we revitalizing this artist and mm-hmm. nobody knew whatever and we're paying you this but you know you sample their stuff their manager right well look that was uh, we gotta at least get 80 percent of the part and you're All like right. what right really like they get really super duper like hostile on just you know trying to get stuff cleared and it's because they know the business of publishing and music and and if not them i should say maybe not the artists it's their managers the people and people publishers so, yeah because it's not like it's ll cool j fielding this call saying okay yeah use that it's everybody involved in oh, that situation yeah. it's whoever they had the publishing deal with mm-hmm. it's their manager like everybody wants their cut you know and they want a big cut and what makes it tough too is when you sample hip-hop songs does that song have a sample in it now I got oh now I gotta s- clear the the person that had the sample that originally came from and the person's wow. voice and you know 
It, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, a, a lot yeah. to consider. It's 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 a lot of different levels. But and, in terms of Chris, like you said, this wasn't his main source of income. Oh no, he so didn't care. Him, money at all. was no option. No, it was like, yeah, I'm like, man, what's this going to cost? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> because he's not looking at making the record as like a source of income, you know. And this is my livelihood, so right. I look at it differently. But like I said, it didn't affect the bottom line for me, you know. And I, apparently, I guess not for him either. Hmm. There's a song in there called Champagne. <laughs> I drank champagne, and it's a parody of a lot of the rap that's popular at the time where, you know, it's celebrating living lavish. One thing I thought was real interesting on there, there's a voice in the background that sounds a lot like what Puffy used to do. <laughs> on records, just throwing in ad-libs and adding on. And I think even, like, the main person doing lyrics like tries to stop him at some right, point right, but right. It, it really seems like it's making fun of that character almost directly more than anything and, and i was wondering like did puffy ever hear this oh i'm sure he's heard it it yeah. was definitely inspired by puffy this is one of the first you know really like somebody parodying this sort of music you know or that that sort of a rap song yeah it was chris's idea he's like you know because i guess back then like the shiny suits started to become popular right. and popping champagne and being on yachts and all the crap that cats was doing mm -hmm. he's like yeah i want to do that like puffy style right and we're gonna have champagne and you know what i want to loop because it was taking popular songs and looping them as hip-hop has always done, well, mostly done in, in history. But he's like, I want to use Rockbox. <laughs> I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, we're going to loop Rockbox and da-da-da. And that was his idea. So I looped it up, arranged it. We got the singing on it. I think we should hear a little bit of this. You set, you set it up so beautifully. Oh. <laughs> How can we deny the people? All right, just a little bit of champagne off a roll. With Ooh, the new. champagne. Hey, it's time for a record. Here it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the Oh, I haven't heard that in years. Sounds uh, awesome, dude. With a Z on the end. Sounds awesome. I was thinking about, you remember OGC? They were part of the boot camp clique. OGC. Original Gun Clappers. Yes. Right? Yeah. So okay. It was like the third wave or yeah, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, OGC. OGC, I forgot the name of the song, but they had a video where they kind of parodied Biggie and Puffy. Oh, really? Yo, I've never seen that. And they didn't take too kindly to it. Puff and Big like beat them up. Really? Yeah. How come I've never heard this story? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, real physical beef over this wow. portrayal. And I was wondering, like. I'm glad I didn't get beat up. But that's what I'm like. I'm, I'm wondering because you have ties to all of these people and you're on this song that's making fun of them. And they don't seem to take being made fun of lightly. So I was wondering if you ever heard any backlash or anything. Not at that. all. That's you know, good. For some reason, uh, and I thank God for this, is I do parodies of a lot of people and a lot of things and outside of doing Chris Rock records, and they give me a pass usually. They think I'm not a comedian, but they put me in that category. They're like, oh, it's just Paul being Paul. Right. And I get that. I've had that. Thank God. That's awesome. What? There's some protection. But I don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, you know, sit there and like, yeah, I'm going to be, not, not, especially nowadays, everybody's super duper sensitive. True. So. I stopped that. I'm older. <laughs> Bones take longer to heal. That's real. There's somebody rhyming on that record. Do you remember who that was? 
I, the champagne joint? Oh, that that was was that he 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 ha he 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 ha. Oh, I, uh, I, th- I think it was Buffy. Buffy from the from the Fat Boys. Really? Yeah. Wow. I th- I, if I remember correctly. I drink and and, and I, if oh man, I gotta hear the song. I mean, I could I could try to go to that part. Yeah. Oh no 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 no. I'm thinking of the other song we did. Okay. This is uh, uh Freedom Williams. Get out of here. Wait a minute. First of all. Where did y'all find Freedom Williams? <laughs> in Freedom's 1996. My man. Yeah, for real? <laughs> yeah, man. I love Freedom. He's a good guy. See, see, I don't know his story at all. All I know is CNC Music Factory, the yeah. ponytail, shirtless, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, this is a dude you knew from the streets yo, or something? He, yo, it, you know, he's a Brooklyn dude. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yo, I would catch Freedom Williams in the most randomest places. Like, I, I took my daughter to see the Cheetah Girls. And I'm there, you know, Cheetah Girls. I don't know if remember it was on Nickelodeon yeah, or whatever. Disney, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Disney's right. probably Disney. Right. And, I'm, you know, my daughter's little and taking a concert and I'm chilling and I was like, yo, what's up, Prince Paul? I'm like, it's Freedom Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and a nice, like, full-length leather jacket and, you know, like, always stylish. And I'm like, yo, what's up? So, it was just a matter of a phone call. Yo, I'm working on this Chris Rock thing. Would you be, you know, it's like, yeah, man. So why him, of all people on the champagne record? Because, see the reaction you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that. Because <laughs> you're like, Freedom Williams? Where do you get Freedom Williams? Where's he at? Why is Freedom Williams? Freedom Williams? And, man, you answered that just by the look on your face, the sound of your voice. Wow. The other song I was thinking of that had Buffy from the Fat Boys was on another Champagne song. Yeah. <laughs> no, Not No Sex. But no, that, no. We'll, oh, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah. That's the only verse on there. I haven't heard this song since then. I think it's just the lady singing and it's him. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, yeah. Freedom Williams, man. Wow. If you had to gave me a hundred guesses, I never would have came Ooh, up with Freedom Williams. I should have gave you a hundred guesses. No, that would that would have uh. made for a very bad podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, Chuck, chill out. Uh. <laughs> um, oh, Freedom. You have a tag on this album. First of all, a lot of people get beat up on this album. There's a lot of really extended beatdowns on this album. But you have this tag that says, three generations deep in gangsterdom. <laughs> Charlie Murphy. Is that Charlie Murphy saying that? That's Charlie Murphy from um, CB4. Oh, okay. okay. In gangsterdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember uh, when we did this record, and I was you know, I was told Chris, like, yo, man, CB4 is probably the best movie that your acting has been the best, <laughs> and the story's been the best. And he wrote it, too, right? Did he write it? Yeah, him yeah. and, uh, I think, Nelson George okay. wrote it together. I was like, it's your best work. And I was like, oh, my God, Charlie Murphy? And this is before Charlie Murphy was the Chappelle show. This right, before Chappelle. people knew yeah. about Charlie Murphy. I was really. like, yo, oh, my God, he's the best. You got to bring him back out. You, man, Charlie Murphy. He's like, yeah, he did a great job. I was like, gangster them. So that was like a running joke in the studio. So I noticed a few of your albums have like this audio tag on. <laughs> right, like we talked about De La Soul is dead in that episode, and I didn't bring it up then, but you had the uh, I can't be your lover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what was what was that one from? Like what what did that mean, or how did that come about? That was uh, what's his face from Slick Rick, uh, Lottie Dottie. Yeah, and what's your wrinkle? I can't be your lover. So we go right. <laughs> I can't be. It was just, we're just, we're young. That was just, that was like just an inside joke with the group. Yeah, it's just like something that we would. 
I can't, I can't be a lover. Yeah, it was, oh, it was, it's being young. It's, it's so beautiful, man. You can just act dumb and feel good about yourself. And get paid for it. And get paid for it. I don't know if I could do that now, <laughs> but that it was a lot of fun. And so, and yeah, that's what it is. It's like all of us sitting around mm-hmm. together and we just come up with something dumb and, and we can't get it off our chest, you know, enough. So, so we you just record it. And then you, you drop it in an album in different spots. Oh, all kind the of time. Tie it all together. And we just chuckle amongst ourselves. And then we give something for the, the writers to go, well, what are you thinking from having a black childhood that you said? And, they, and you read it and you go, that has nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> it was just being dumb. And they won't buy it was being right. dumb. They, it has to be based on something. You know, I've learned, you know, and it's a little sprinkle in my own career. I've learned that, like, for stuff that people ask me about that there's no real meaning for, I just make something up. Oh, you do? Every time. Because <laughs> I learned it. It carries farther. But I just, it, <laughs> the only problem then is I got to remember what I told the last guy. <laughs> you know, I got to learn that. Yeah. I, I'm going to start doing it. I'll make something up. Because sometimes, know? yeah, sometimes it just... It just came to you. It was just, you know, and you just did it. And you wasn't thinking about it. But they never want to accept that. I love to always see what people say. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I've seen things uh, that I was like, whoa, that's really deep. And it's always some, like, black history thing. Right. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know uh, Christmas addicts once. But I'm like, I was not thinking about Christmas addicts. <laughs> Frederick Douglass once <laughs> told somebody I can't be a lover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there like, what? And they go real deep in this real rhetoric and politics and black history month. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> One awesome thing about all of these projects that you and Chris made is that each and every one of them won a damn Grammy. Let me let me tell you the amazing part about the whole Grammy thing. Now, mind you, we're making these. I realize I say mind you a lot. We're making these records obviously for fun. We're mm-hmm. not seeing any. Definitely not thinking Grammy. And I think that year, up for a Grammy nomination, and you might want to fact check it. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it was Adam Sandler. And I think Amsterdam might even had the Hanukkah song out there. And that was huge. Yeah. And somebody else came out. And I remember Chris was telling me, yeah, man, you know, we're nominated for a Grammy. We know we're not going to win. You know, Adam Sandler's going to win. We was all, that, that's, it was just a foregone conclusion. Oh, of course, it's win. Adam Sandler. And he'd made a bunch of records before, and he had songs that was playing on the radio. And our album was getting mixed reviews. You know, some people were saying, you know, oh, man, this is funny. Some people were like, this is horrible. Really? Oh, what? You know, this is not funny. Like, the, you know, people liked the stand-up. Stand was HBO and it was blowing up. But the record, because it was just so silly and bizarre. Like, Chris, if you ask Chris about, about this album, he's like, yeah, it sounds like a Prince Paul record. This is a <laughs> Prince Paul record. It sounds like a Prince Paul record. Well, okay, I produced it, I, I guess, you know, but because it's so silly but anyway i remember i was in the house chilling with the crickets in the basement <laughs> and i hear my mom going upstairs paul i'm like yeah it's a record you did with chris rock called roll with the new and i'm like yeah it won a grammy i was like what wow what get out of here like, it's like you saw it on tv or yes something? you saw it on tv wow. i guess you know it has whatever you know we we don't get mentioned it's probably like on the bottom like right. it's a blip or something you know and literally seconds later chris calls me yo that's crazy. We won a Grammy, man. And so. I'm like, <gasps> that's cool. I think for two seconds, like, I rarely, my friends and people who know me well, I don't get excited by anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, thanks. Two seconds, I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. <laughs> and it wore off really quick. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, 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 it hit me. You and couldn't, it was, couldn't really sit in it. Nah, nah. There's no Grammy check. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, what has your relationship with the Grammys been? I mean, this is 98, right? You've been making records 10, 15 years almost by this point. I've been nominated. You know, a bunch of times. Never had a record win a Grammy. You know, I've been worked with artists and albums that have been nominated, like De La Soul and this. Been stuff along the way, like albums where I might have had a song on an album that's been nominated. Mm -hmm. But out of all the music and stuff I made, it's a comedy record that I work on was a Grammy, which I'm not complaining. But it it, it it's, it's validating as well. You right. know, it's like... All the times when I was young and, uh, you know, my brother would uh, sit and go, you know, I'm like, hey, hey, Rick. That's my brother's in Hey, Rick, man. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm giggling. Hey, look at this. And he would just look at me and go, mom, something's wrong with your son. <laughs> you know, like nothing's funny, not whatever. I'm like thinking it's funny. Yeah, just, yeah. Got great for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the world thinks it's funny. <laughs> you know, oh, that made me feel so good. You understand? Imagine people dissing you. Oh, you wacky, wacky, this audience. Man, and you get an accolade like that for acting stupid all them years in the house. I mean, it's a Grammy. This is the award for your industry. You know, there's no higher award, really, other than like a platinum plaque, I guess. You know, the higher award would be the Grammy check. I think <laughs> would be the higher award. Uh, you know, no, but it's it's cool. I don't ever expect to have a record I've done win a Grammy ever again. So I could be comfortable in saying this, you know, without being blacklisted from the Grammys is. There's so much politics with of the Grammy. Of course. 100%. There's records that win. You're like, what? It's a popularity contest. So, you know, maybe that year, I don't know if those other records sounded like, maybe they were better. Maybe it's because Chris Rock is Chris Rock. Who knows? Possible. I'd like to say that that Prince Paul sounding record was better than all of those. I mean, I'm 100% sure that none of those were as inventive as what y'all did because nobody else was doing that. Like, I've, I've listened to comedy records my whole life. And never really heard anything that developed. I mean, honestly, the person who comes close is Adam Sandler because right. he doesn't really exactly. he doesn't really do stand up on his album. So it's a bunch of sketches and skits and songs and right. stuff, you know. But in terms of a stand up album, never heard anything like that. You know what? Wow. See, it it, it always takes moments like this, um, where I'm sitting having conversation, especially working on this podcast, where there's revelations about my work that I just never knew. Mm -hmm. You know, like. I've never knew that. I, I, you know, what we when you do stuff, you're just having fun and you're being creative. And you, but I never thought of trailblazing something or right. starting something different or trying something different in comedy. I'm just thinking this is my first comedy record. You know what I'm saying? I love Cheech and Chong. Right. I love Richard Pryor at the time and everything and Adam Sandler's records and I could go on and on. But you know, I didn't know that this was like. It was weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't know it was different. Welcome to what had happened was where Prince Paul finds out that some things he does are weird. Oh, I'm reminded constantly, man. <laughs> Trust me. So you were in your mom's basement. That means, of course, y'all didn't go to the actual Grammy show. Nah, nah. You know, because one, I wasn't thinking I was going to get nominated. Two, I wasn't invited. You weren't, <laughs> Wait a minute. So you got nominated but not invited? Nah. I think, I think, I don't even know if Chris went. I don't know. I got one. The De La Soul record got nominated. I was invited. And you went? No. I gave my ticket to Mace's mom because mm. I know she wanted to go really so bad. So they went they and went. you just gave up your spot. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like I said, it, 
I don't get excited about too much, man. I wish I was that way where I'm like, yeah. Look, see me drink that. Dr. Pepper. I wasn't sure if I could say it on the No, podcast. you can't. Go ahead. They're going oh. to they pay us. Oh, good. The Dr. Pepper says, oh, my God. Son. You were really excited about that. You rarely see me. Yeah, no, we've been get, hanging out a few days now. I've not <laughs> seen you get that excited. Nah, you know, I'll, I'll like talk about stories and go, yeah, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, something... And, Take it. I've been like this since I was a child. <laughs> so you guys end up winning three. Yeah, one for each record we worked on. Did you ever go to any of the shows? No. Since, wow. No. So what was your philosophy on going even after winning? Like, what made you not want to go? I never thought we would win. Again? And, you never thought you'd win? I didn't, you know, I mean, it's not like, come on, honestly, can I be that arrogant? Maybe if I was Kanye West or Drake and I go, hey, I'm going to win, you know? Well, you know, but you, after I get that before you won, but even after you won the first one? Come on. What's the likelihood of having two records that you made win Grammys back to back? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's... Yeah, far, imagine three times. Right. So after the second one, you like, surely we're nominated again. Nope. At least I should go. Nope. Like maybe I'll have this moment where I get to touch the statue on stage. No, nothing. No, 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 no. Plus, they don't invite the producer anyway. You know, it's like it's it's the artist. Got you. I see. Everything is, is the artist, you know, and, and, you know, I'm just a worker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what the bottom line is. But, you know, it's one of those things that you look and, I, you know, you tell people, when they doubt you or, you know, you, you meet a girl's parents or somebody and <laughs> they go, you're a musician. And then you go, I, the, I did three records and they all won Grammys. And they're like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You're just not a low life as a, like artist. I mean. <laughs> man, it, that, you know, when they think of artists, man, oh, yeah. it's horrible. I you mean, know? you know, I'm a rapper, you know, yeah, that's I'm the just... last thing I ever want to tell anybody that I'm meeting for the <laughs> first right? time. Yeah. <laughs> See, you, you know, you know, exactly. I'm a, a writer. Podcaster, <laughs> comedy adjacent. You know, last thing I want to say is rapper. It's like, okay, he's a dreamer. Right. <laughs> that's, that's all I did. I say dreamer. Well, what had happened was, so that was 1997's Roll with the New, and then uh, the next one y'all worked on was 1999's Bigger and Blacker. Yes. How long does it take to make these albums? I would say the recording process would take maybe less than a month. Mm-hmm. To actually record everything because it's not just recording the skits. Skits stuff is very intricate, man. Like it sounds like people are like oh, whatever, but it takes a lot of time to put those together. But it's also finding the parts of the stand up that work. And because you never use the whole hour that he does, you just use like big chunks of it. Yeah, we use chunks and try to find out the chunks and where to put them at. And I think maybe roll with the new the first one, if I'm remembering correctly was not from one stand-up. Okay. I think it was from multiple stand-ups. So it's finding the best performance from this one was in Mississippi. This one was here. It's like right. which and then the quality of it, like the audio, how it was recorded and mm-hmm. does it match to the one before you know, it was it took a lot of thought. So the actual recording was probably if you took all the days and pushed them together, it was, you know, two weeks to a month. Mm-hmm. The actual production of it, same thing. Yeah. Two weeks to a month. I mean, if I'm sitting there and that's my everyday focus ab- about that. But if you're talking about in real lifetime spread out, it probably took us maybe like three or four months to record. How does this compare to when you're working on a rap record? Oh, it's so much more fun. I, you know, I remember telling Chris when he was making these records, like, yo, if I could just do this as my profession, I would gladly, even though I love making music, comedians are so relaxed and mm-hmm. fun. We laugh. Then nobody's uptight. 
there's nobody's coming in mad late. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's you say, hey, do this. They go, yeah, man, okay, got you, Paul. You know, it's a world of difference. And right. I'm like, I'm glad I had a chance to experience that because you know, I come in the studio from a way of grinding time, looking at it, everybody's, you know, uh, you know, you have fun, of course, and you do stuff, but there's the egos are, right. are, are crazy. And I'm sure you have egos with comedians, but they want to be funny. Right. You know, the the main folks at the end of the day is like, regardless, we just want to have a good joke and a good laugh and a good environment. And um, man, it was it was fun going there every day, you know. But the thing made it tough for me is we record all the parts, and then it's like, get Paul, fix it. I'm like, <laughs> so they get to go off the side, and laugh and joke and do whatever, and I'm sitting there in front of a computer or whatever at the time, or you know, writing stuff down. And like, man, this is where the work comes in. Yeah. Speaking of working with rappers, this bigger and blacker album has some very notable skits. From the one and only old dirty bastard. Oh, oh, okay. I am okay. sure there were some stories oh. here. All right, we're in the studio in Manhattan. Uh, I'm trying to remember. This is the most popular studio, man. What is it? It was a studio that unfortunately Tupac got shot in. Mm. What, what's the name of the studio? I can't remember the name. But we was working in that studio. And in that studio, they have obviously multiple rooms, right? And it turns out that we found out ODB was recording an album. And he was recording an album, and this is before they became super famous, with right. the Neptunes. All right, so this is the Nigga Please album. Yes. Yeah. They, they're recording with the Neptunes. Like, yo, ODB's here. I knew ODB from before, you know, because we Work traveled with together. Yeah. Tang and... So I go in there, be like, yo, you know, he's talking to Chris. He's like, all right. You know, Chris like, yo, I want you on the album. He's like, okay, I'll barter. You can get on my album, and I'll do something on your album. So Chris winds up doing something on, on that. Uh, yeah, on the Nigga Please album. Yeah, if I remember yep. clearly. He did something on there. And then so finally we get ODB to come up. It's like, yeah, they we write this elaborate skit, and we oh. want you to say this and say that. Do and you da, remember da, da. anything about what the skit was supposed to be? Oh, I don't remember okay. at all. I probably have, I have a lot of stuff written down okay. places. And we put him in front of the mic, and he was like, okay, um, we just need you to say this, 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 and this. And I'm like, you ready? And he goes, if you were to go and put, and he just goes on this tangent. <laughs> Hold it, stop for a second. <laughs> all right, look, I just need you to say boom, 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 because we have it written out. Right. And he goes, if I was a, and he just goes on this rant. Like it was long, like a long rant? He just started ranting. Oh, and, wow. and, and obviously he was super high. Of course. And, and so I'm like, I can't. And Chris is looking like, what do we do? We're just all like, <laughs> he's not saying, it's, we can't. How do we make this work for us? All right. He's just saying some wild off the wall stuff. So I was like, just keep recording. Um. And so. All the rants and, you know, if you were to blah, 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 and he's going on and on. And so it was like, oh. Then all of a sudden, I think Lance or maybe Chris was like, we listened to like, what are we going to do with this? Words of Wisdom by the ODB. Oh, genius. So we, we took that and it's like, okay, we're going to make this work for us. And now, more Words of Wisdom from the ODB. If a dick don't get hard off of cocaine... What would you action? That was Words of Wisdom with the ODB. Yeah, that's about right. That shit was incredible. <laughs> if a dick couldn't get hard 
on cocaine. <laughs> what would you ask? Oh, God bless his soul. Man. Yeah. I love ODB, man. Yeah, he, uh, it was stuff like that. And you know what? I probably have that rant in its entirety on tape somewhere. Yo. I have to look for it. See, bonus material, folks. Yeah, I have, to, I have to look for that. Yeah. But those are amazing. Another amazing thing on the album was y'all had this song that ended up being a hit single called No Sex. No Sex in the Champagne Room. Oh, man, that, that had um Levert on it. Gerald Levert. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. God bless his soul as well. Yeah. That's one of those times where that wasn't planned to have him on there. It was one of those things where, yeah, LeBert, he's um, recording in the studio next door. You know, it's one of those classic, you, you hear, you know, yeah, they was in the studio and, hey, man, we're recording this record with you. Yeah, all right. Wow. And he just, you know, wings it. That's I think that's probably just off the top of the head listening he's to He's doing ad libs. So he does these ad libs. And some of them are really funny. Like, he's reacting to oh, what yeah, Chris yeah, is saying, but he's, yeah. like, singing. I don't oh, want no. that, no. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's, like, funny. Like, do you remember, were you in the studio? You were in the studio at the time? Yeah, yeah, so of course. So, did you, like, were you directing him, or he was just kind of going and doing Didn't whatever? Didn't have to. Okay. It's just, he, just, like, he just got it off top. Press play, you know, have a little conversation. Yeah, this is what song that I need to listen to. It. You know, let it pass so he can get familiarized with it. We was making a parody of that Baz Luhrmann song. I forgot the name. It was really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just random stupid stuff. We, we thought as, you know, listen to it. It's like, what is this record about? Let's do the same thing. Not the same music, but the same concept. And it was a hit song. And so we was like, yo, okay, Chris is going to say just bizarre stuff. And what, how we work LeVert? We've got to use him. He's right here. (laughs) All right, listen to this. And he just got it. And obviously he has a sense of humor. And it might have been like one take. Wow. You know? I mean, and and this is, like I said, it releases a single and a video. And it it seems to do pretty well. Oh, I have to add that on these records, I also had my boy Newkirk. I hired him to work on a lot of these with me, and he worked on this song as well. So, like, what did Newkirk do on the song? Um, Newkirk played the keys. Ah, okay. You nice. know, yes, that's my man, Fifty Grand. If anybody knows me, if I have a job or something that happens, and there's a budget, and I know I need some help, I'm always hiring my friends. It's, right. it's you know, I can't spend all the money alone. We're gonna yeah. talk about Newkirk on another episode for yes. sure. What was the idea of releasing a song, like a single? Because I've ne- like, like we were saying. How inventive this is, because I've never heard a comedy album that had like these sketches, right. you know, uh, interlaced with the stand-up. I've never heard of a stand-up album having a single. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that might have been DreamWorks pushing that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, wanting to put out a single. And hence, you know, everybody wanting to get the track masters, because I don't make hit songs <laughs> for the radio. So Chris has got his hand over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah the track masters. <laughs> hey man, it's right there. <laughs> the track masters. And I'm like, uh, you know, but it was weirdly it was received well. Very well. You know, and I'm watching MTV and stuff. It's like, whoa, they're playing the song. I used to see it, we were, you know, I was in college at the time, I mean, me and Video Day, we were in college at the time, and, and it used to come on, like, BET, used to come on, like, no Rap City, used to come on, yeah, TRL, it'd be on there, it'd be, it was great. It's a good feeling, like, you don't expect anything like that to get played, and to have people kind of just quoting the phrase, also, no sex in the champagne room, right. or just thinking, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I made the pop culture. There you go. You know? 
for once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was there ever because you guys made a lot of songs for these albums? Was yeah. there ever talk about putting out any of the other songs as like singles at any point? No. With the exception, you know, and we could talk about it. I'm not sure if you're going to talk about the third album. Yeah, um, but but uh, there were songs that were recorded that didn't come out mm-hmm. that was really, really good that should have been singles. But a lot of these is, you know, the label, they want to make their money back. So they're not trying to invest on. They're not thinking we can have anything that's radio and, mm-hmm. you know, saying they're going to make money off. They just, I guess, want to let people know that there's an album out. Here's a video. Here's a vehicle to make people aware that. Chris has a comedy record, and this is on the comedy record. So this question in general, specifically for this album, but just in general. So you say y'all made a bunch of songs and never ended up even being on an album. Right. Not what, a bunch. There's one or two. Well, what happens to songs like that? They end up in Prince Paul's archives and mm-hmm. in Chris's archives, and we just talk about, like, man, that would have been cool if that would have came out. But it's not many. But okay. there's definitely a lot of outtakes, right. you know. And a lot of outtakes of other comedians we recorded. Because you got to understand, we had Dave Chappelle come in before mm-hmm. he was Dave Chappelle. We had Margaret show she was on sub but that didn't make the cut mm-hmm. we, you know we've had tracy morgan we've had uh um he played with dave Chappelle when they were getting high oh half baked yeah half baked which i don't know it was a bunch of people in that uh, um, um the, the the stoner the, the white dude that was with him oh jim brewer jim brewer yeah, yeah, we had yeah, jim yeah. brewer come in yeah i mean Tons of comedians come mm-hmm. in. So there's a lot of stuff that we recorded with them that didn't come out. I had Ice Cube come in. I was going to ask about that next. Yeah, you know, yeah, I had yeah. this skit where Ice Cube is getting pulled over by a <laughs> yeah, cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who was Horatio Sands from yeah, SNL. Yeah, yep. See, another one. Yep. Yeah. Was this the only time you ever worked with Ice Cube? It's the only time I've worked with Ice Cube, but not the first time I've been in the studio with Ice Cube. When else were you in the studio with? I was in the studio. I was happening to be recording... Hmm. It might have been when, when I had my doodoo man record label. Hmm. I was in Green Street and they were I think I was in Studio A, they were in Studio B, and it was Ice Cube was recording America's Most Wanted. And he was recording Who's the Mac. And it was the bomb squad. And I know all of them, Jake right. Shockley and all of them. And I was just sitting in there and it's like, Yeah, well, Paul, come hang out. And I'm like, Who's the Mac? Well, how's this ill? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, yeah. And I'm a big bomb squad fan, so I had a chance to actually sit there and I just absorbed everything and I was like I said in the studio, but not recording. Well, that's awesome too because you know they made Steady Mobbing, yeah. And you remade it as Steady Slobbing, Steady Slobbing on the Prince of Monk Days yeah. Album. Small world, <laughs> yeah. bigger and blacker has no sex in the champagne room, and there's a lot of stuff about strip clubs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of strip clubby things. A lot of strip club stuff. Yeah, you spend a lot of time in the strip club. You know what's funny? I had I had this conversation very recent, and strip clubs do nothing for me. Nothing, nothing. Mm. I would because I know it's a game, right? right? It's not like at the end of the day, she's gonna like, yeah, man, I really like you, and I, really for real, for real. It's like you're trying to get trying to get your money. Right. Hey, say anything, to, you know? And what I'm gonna do, just like you know, ball out. I'm too cheap for that, <laughs> you know. But I have DJ strip clubs. Oh, nice. Next on stage is Sparkle. <laughs> Gentlemen, please be generous, for they must make a living as well. It is Sparkles on stage. Wait, wait, you had to do the announcement? What? It was beautiful. I wanted to do the announcement. Oh, that's awesome. And the girls would come and, do you have such and such? I'm like, yeah, I got that. All right. And you play it. Like, oh. It's like, what's your name? I remember I spun a, uh, was in, in Miami. Girl's name, I think, said, I said, what's your name? She said, go low. I said, go low. You know, as in go low. I was like, oh. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Next on stage is Golo. <laughs> How does somebody book Prince Paul to DJ a strip club? I just so happened to be at the right place at the right time, my friend. <laughs> Yo, Prince Paul, 
my club. I'm like, yeah, what kind of club? Strip club. Mm. <laughs> Can I DJ? Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> well, that's bigger and blacker. Um, <laughs> we'll take a quick break and come back and talk about the last record. Yes. All right. We get back to your working relationship with Chris Rock with 2005's Never Scared. Wow, that's 2005. Mm hmm. Zoinks. First one's 97. Next one's 99. The next one after that is until 2005. That's a minute. So, what is going on in your career in life when he says, okay, we're about to go in and do the third one? I was recording the last Handsome Boy record, which was called White People. Mm hmm which actually came out in 2005 as mm -hmm. well. I was doing that. Yeah, I think that was basically it, you know. The life kind of mellowed out for me, for the most part. Between that time, my daughter was born in 2002. Yeah, you know, doing that stuff. Were you feeling, because Handsome Boy had come out, which was successful, at least from outsider perspective, were you feeling pretty on top, you know, like, but back up, back up? No. Versus, okay, no, no. No, no I've never felt on top. Mm -hmm. Even when it appeared as though I was on top, yeah. you know, I don't know what that's like, you know. So at some points in my life, I was more comfortable than others, you know, as well, far as, like, income. And I think that's kind of, maybe that's what I'm asking. Was this a comfortable time for you versus times when you've been a little bit more uncomfortable? Yes. I think after, around the time when I did the first Chris Rock record, mm -hmm. things started to level out a bit. Because I had Handsome Boy, I had... Prince Among Thieves, mm -hmm. I was getting offers to write, I was, you know, getting more production work. People liked me again. You know what I'm saying? You go through a, a whole period of people not liking you, and mm -hmm. then now people like you again. And then I've learned what to expect from the music industry, right? You start to mature. Like, when you're young, you're just like, how come they're not calling me? How come, you know, I did everything? And you realize, that's the way the industry works. Mm -hmm. How come this check isn't clearing? Mm -hmm. I just, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you, you know, once you go past being naive and, and, and ignorant about things in the music industry and you start to get a little, I guess, tougher, for lack of a better word, then everything seems to go a lot smoother because now you know how to navigate through life. You know how to spend, you know, you're not going to get that call back, you know, you know. Do you have any tips for people who may or may not be me? On how you get tougher. Um, let me see. Paul's Jewels. <laughs> Paul, Paul's Jewels. New segment on the podcast. <laughs> For me, it's just being very real with yourself. I don't think it's something I can sit down and go, well, first of all, you think this. And first of all, it's just be brutally honest. Mm. You know? So what's the most brutally honest thing you ended up ever telling yourself that you wouldn't mind telling everybody listening to this? I can't rap. Mm. I mean, I've attempted and I've jokingly rhymed on stuff, but I know that even though in my fantasies of me, you know, having a, a microphone in the mirror at the house, that I cannot take the show on the road. You got the hairbrush. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm rapping, dapping, stepping, clapping, rapping, stepping, clapping. And I'm, you know, I'm not built for that. I can't sing, though I have sang on some songs in the background uh, and I've auto-tuned them joints. And... One brutal, honest thing is that, you know, when you see, like, for example, RZA, mm -hmm. like, you know, he does very well. and He works really, really hard. I want to have the success like that. But honestly, I'm not built like that. I'm not, I can't have a bunch of people stay in my house and, and be cool with it. I can't go four days of constantly working and having multiple meetings. That's, it's not, I'm not built like that. Right. And though I'd like to have all the riches, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. from those things. 
It's, I'm not built like that. It's and I, important to know what that asks of you and whether or not you can actually give it. Yeah. I mean, could I do it? Of course can I do it. But I'd be so miserable. And then right. if I'm miserable, I'm not creative. Right. So it backfires. So I, I know who I am and I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. you know. So so you're in a, a more comfortable period, right, when he hits you up to start work on Never Scared. Did he ever say why he took such a big gap between making albums? He was just so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, when we first did Roll With The New, it was like, yeah, you know, Chris Rock. And then it's like, Chris Rock! Right. You know, with exclamation point. Mm-hmm. He was doing a bunch of movies. With the movies and all the other stuff he was doing, it took a while for him to write a new stand-up. You right. know, because when you just run around doing stuff, because stand-up, what, what I neglected to talk about, like when we did the first record and even the second record, I was out going to the clubs with him, trying out the material. You know, he sit down, write down, you know, comedians, you're, you're in that world. Adjacent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going out and trying the material. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's try this bit. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. We're going to tighten this up. We're not going to do this one. So I'm there for that. I'm there going to the little comedy clubs in, in New York City. So and that takes time. And, you know, he didn't have really have time to do that. So now we're back around to doing that stuff again mm-hmm. and working on the bigger special, you know, for HBO. So with that much time in between the two projects, did it amount to any sort of change in y'all's approach going into this album? Um, I think we had a blueprint where if you listen to the first album, we're just kind of feeling it out. Now we know what we're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, because we've done it before on two records already. We know it's it's stand-up, we know it's going to be songs, and we know it's going to be sketches. Mm-hmm. So that made it a lot easier. You know, before, I'm just like, I've never made a comedy record before, and I guess this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Now I, I know what to do. You know what works and what maybe doesn't work as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the problem I think I had with making the last record, though, is in comparison to the first two, is technology got better, mm-hmm. and I don't like... It's too digital, the last album. It just sounds so clear. And I had a problem with that, but it was too late because I already recorded it and I couldn't go back. I could probably dumbed it down a bit on the board somehow. And I think that affects how you hear things. Hmm. It's like music. Like when To me, when music's a little too glassy, it's too sterile, it hits the soul, cuts the soul differently, as opposed to when you listen to an old record or, or vinyl or a cassette tape, for, for that matter. You listen, to it, there's a certain warmth mm-hmm. that is kind of hard to explain, that it just makes you approach the music a little differently. And I think it's the same with the jokes. It was just a little too glassy. Gotcha. And that, that kind of bothered me, listening to the third record. You know, I guess it might be reflective of just his size as a comedian at the time, too, because when you hear the comedy on the first album, even a little bit on the second it sounds like comedy that's recorded in a comedy club. Right. It sounds like low ceilings. It sounds like smaller rooms. Yeah. Uh, so it feels more intimate, whereas this one is you know, probably a big theater yeah, that he, the stand-up's recorded in. Yeah, because he's blowing up. Right. You know. That's right. Lovely Constitution Hall. That's right, man. Now, I haven't toured in a long time. I haven't, haven't done a special for a long time. I was waiting for special things to happen in my life. Before I did another special, right? Like I said, the other spots we're going to smaller places, and some places we're recording the set. Mm-hmm. I have like some stand up that hasn't been out of some, you know, some bits and stuff that's not on the record, that's mm-hmm. not even on the big specials, that you know didn't work. But yeah, we're you're right. It's less intimate surroundings, and w- with with that, you see, it, it all falls into place. Is the the quality is obviously better, but not to my liking. And also the bigger stadiums, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, man, we're riding in the rolls now. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have the same amount of time to put into it? Yeah, he, it, one thing, I'll, I'll give him credit, he'll take the time. You right. know, he'll say, okay, my time for doing this 
you know, just as the other albums is allotted this for studio. Nice. And that that hasn't changed. One thing that I thought was crazy about this record, y'all had these K-Rock skits on here. Oh, yeah, K-Rock. Something white rap. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> it hit me, man, when I was listening to this. It hit me, right? Because that's one thing I've always tripped out about, about rock stations. Because I grew up listening to a lot of, like, alternative rock and, like, the grunge era. And it would hit me really weirdly when they would play rap music. Because <laughs> it was always very obviously ever only white rappers right right and i'm like how is how is anybody cool with this like how is this not <laughs> offensive to everyone how is this okay and it was so interesting to see that y'all made this skit and this recurring skit on here these little k-rock tags mm-hmm. was just like all rocking white rappers <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's chris's idea he you know obviously he like he like you know what i'm like yeah i never thought about that let's let's record those and we got the classic dude from the hot stations got uh-huh. his voice because I, I worked with him before i was like yeah i know the guy who does that he's like you do so i called him up and i was like i need to say all these things he's like uh, okay <laughs> first he talks regular hey paul how you doing and then it's like you ready well i was like wait hold it <laughs> you're listening to K-Rock, rock and roll and white rap. But have you ever heard any, any explanation of why that is? Like, how it is that they get away with that? Like, playing all rock, except for a little bit of rap. That's <laughs> only white people. <laughs> you know what? I have ideas, but uh, I, I, you know, you'd, you'd have to ask them. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it, um, it was interesting, too, because, you know, there's a big station in L.A., Called K Rock. Yeah, yeah. That does this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm guessing there was never a riff or a problem legally with No, that. I haven't heard anything. Like, you know, Chris never mentioned anything. I haven't heard any backlash from the record. Let me tell you what, before I forget, one thing on the record. I was. <laughs> when we made the record, right? I remember before we started making the record, it was like, okay, Paul, because on the other records, you know, it's like produced by Prince Paul, da da da. I had this long conversation with the managers and, and the label. And it's like, this album, Paul, is going to be executive produced by Prince Paul. I'm like, yes. On the cover or? On the, you know, on the credits. I'm oh, the executive nice. producer. The album comes out. I don't think I'm even listed as a producer. Get out of here. I'm like, what, what happened to the exec? Oh, uh, they made a mistake. Oh, my God. Well, the next pressings that we make, we'll make the correction. But it didn't sell enough to make a second pressing <sighs> to correct it. So I'm like, but that's a nice credit. That's an excellent credit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Grammy winning. Oh, I didn't know it was going to win a Grammy then. Executive produced by principal. Executive. Mm-hmm. Not just regular producer, not just co-produced. Executive. Like I'm the, the overlord. Yeah, because you are. And I was hurt. I was like, what? Sorry. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guy. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that kind of opens up into a larger thing that I wanted to get to and really spend some time with was in these records, when you listen to these records and knowing that you produced them, it's like, oh, yeah, these are very much Prince Paul albums. <laughs> like yeah. Chris says. Yeah, like, yeah, your DNA is all in these, like. And I've listened to these records all my life, especially the first two. I've heard these records a million times. Wow, that I didn't know. I'm flattered. Thank you. I never knew you worked on them, though. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm I'm wondering, just from your perspective, do you feel like people know that? Do you feel like that? And it kind of gets at what 
you just said, like you're supposed to get this big credit. Right. And you don't. In the conversation that you're having with them, is it reflective of the fact that in terms of public perception or pop culture, like, are you getting the credit you deserve for these records? I, I don't even know if I care, mm-hmm. you know, to answer the straightly no, you know, but at the same time, I'm bad at promoting myself in general. Like, I, I'm I'm so bad on social media. Like, you're like a champ at that. Like, I watch you like, open mic, like, you're posting, you're good. People know you. People know what you do. There's things that in conversations like this, well, I didn't know you did whatever. It, I have a problem talking about myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I have a problem going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not the dude that goes to the club and goes, you know who I am? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, you're not on the list. You know who I am? I, I, I don't, I'll sit way in the back of the line and pay my $20 <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if I happenstance, somebody, man, Prince Paul, come in front. I'm like, yeah. what? Really? Thanks. I'm just bad at that. But you know what? I think it's only really been recently that artists and creators really have to do a lot of self-promotion. Right. 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 Because just about everything else that you were ever involved in, you know, De La Soul Records, like your name isn't in the group, but I always knew it was you. Right. You know, and I feel like maybe that used to be a function of how things were marketed or. Right. It, it just feels like in terms of how these albums were marketed, it never came up. Like It's funny because in, I think it is this one. Right. He ends up saying your name in the skits a few times. Right. You know, and I'm like, oh, this is good. Because other than that, it'd be hard to tell that you did it and compared to other things that you've done. I mean, looking back, you're right. But it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Kind of wish it did. <laughs> I can help it bother you. If you're like, <laughs> you know, I, can, I, I can keep reminding you that I didn't know that you worked on them. I mean, when I tell people, like, oh, because when you travel around and you go, okay, people ask, what do you do? And just like we said earlier, you're talking about, you know, you know, tell people, you say rapper, they go, oh. I tell people I work in marketing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't tell them producing. Or if I do say I produce, like, what do you work on? Let me see, who would you know? Mm. Chris Rock. Oh, I know Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Some people even know, do even know De La. De La Soul, who's that? If I say Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah, okay, maybe. You know, Big Daddy Kane, no. You know. Right. Slick Rick, yeah. So, yeah, Chris Rock's always my go-to. Oh, I know Chris Rock. What is your relationship like with Chris Rock now? We used to talk a lot mm-hmm. on the phone, like a lot, lot. Probably in the last few years, not as much. Every once in a while, a few times a year, we'll get on the horn. Word. And he'll, like, randomly call me. This is funny about Chris. I probably won't hear Chris forever, which is cool. Like, we're always cool. And he'll, Paul, rock. <laughs> That's how he usually starts. I wish he'd, he'd have to tell him to hear this. Rock. Hey, what's up, man? I got this idea. I'm thinking maybe having Arsenio Hall sing, you know, some weird <laughs> random stuff. What, what do you think? I'm like, come on, man, let's do it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And we talk about, we laugh, and we make scenarios. And then I never hear about it mm-hmm. again. <laughs> like, yeah, but so next time I, I talk to him, it's like, you know, I'm thinking, I was like, well, what about the Arsenio Hall thing? And he'll go, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 I can do that. <laughs> now, mind you, I'm at home. I'm writing stuff down. I got notes. <laughs> right. I, I developed the idea. You know what I'm saying? So now, as time l- goes on, because I've learned this, you know, uh, you really serious. You really, you know what I'm you saying? Like, really yeah, we're going to do this because I don't want to get my emotions and creativity all put into this. Because it's a different scale, too. It's kind of what you were saying about, you know, the early studio experiences and how 
he wasn't depending on these albums to eat. So he was willing to get as much out of the budget as he could. And it's it's something I've experienced, too, like working in TV or, you know, like right. the scale is so different in terms of the money spent on everything yeah. um, in that world versus music. You know, and it, it can be a difficult contrast sometimes. Like, you know, like like you were saying earlier, you're like, man, I wish I could just do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. Just do this. Just work with comedians and, and you know, and oh, everybody's. Be beautiful. Yeah. Well, have you ever approached anybody else? Anybody else approached you about doing comedy albums? No, that hasn't happened. Though, one good thing out of doing these records, as far as the comedians and having a relationship, I was able to record Dave Chappelle when I did Politics of the Business album. And that was cool. And this mm -hmm. is before the Dave Chappelle show and he blew up. And I told Chris, and maybe I gushed a little too much. I was like, oh, my God, Dave Chappelle, he's so funny. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to record him. Oh, give me give me his number. I got to record him. You know, because I met Dave when we was recording the, the Chris Rock stuff. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my God. And so, yeah, I was able to record him and develop that relationship. But it never got beyond that. Once the Chappelle show came out, I knew yeah. I he was inaccessible. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Different stratosphere. Yeah. It's, it's like I, I couldn't just pick up the phone like I had once did and feel comfortable in having a conversation. But I'm glad I developed that relationship before the fame. So it doesn't seem superficial. But don't you find, I found this in my experience, and, and I wonder if you have too, that comics really, really revere musicians. You know what? That's the one thing that I, let me tell you part of the reason why Chris wanted uh, and I, I should have said this earlier, why he wanted me to work on these records. It was psychoanalysis, but he's a big fan of Balloon Mind State. Mm. And that's De La's best record. And it's so, he found a humor in that record, which I thought the other ones were funnier. He's like, comedians love Balloon Mind State. I was like, what? This is the record that ended my work relationship with De La Soul. <laughs> he's like, oh my God. And he, he gushed about it. And I didn't, I was like, okay, maybe it's his personal thing. But then when I met Dave Chappelle, he's like, man, that Balloon Mind State. I'm like, what? Yeah. You love that? That record is, is life-changing. Swear. So I was like surprised because I figured the comedians, I'm I'm thinking I, I have a few funny things on, you know, the other records, but they really love Blue Mind State. And that made my relationship with all of them because like, oh, Prince Paul, we love that. Oh, my God. That's it's like, really? Yeah. And I think the other thing that was very flattering was, um, man, Paul, you're funny. When a comedian tells you you're funny and I'm like, what? You think I'm funny? <laughs> You should think do instead. I was like, nah, I can't do it. Now, remember I said you said things that you you know, knowing yourself? Yeah. I can't do stand-up. Why can't you do stand-up? Man, look, man, I've seen Chris work. I've seen a lot of these guys work. And it's it's not easy. You know what I'm saying? It's one being entertaining, and I would never say I'm funny in conversation, but I think I could be entertaining in conversation. Mm -hmm. Then to go on stage and like, hey, man, people looking great here tonight. Uh, you know, y y you ever realize when you. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, mm, mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, look, when I do DJ gigs, I always dialogue before I DJ. I'm like, hey, how's everybody feeling? You know, my name's Prince Paul. And every once in a while, I feel myself going to rant, <laughs> right? And I go, yeah, man. And I'm thinking I'm being funny. Here's some chuckles. I'm like, I feel like I'm on stage until I hear this one thing. Play the music. Oh, that's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> then I knew that I went over my <laughs> went over my limit. But I'm like, I'm killing them. I got laughs. Ah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm doing my mini stand up right before my gig. 
So that, uh, I, you know, I put myself in check. <laughs> well, um, the chuckles are kind of a validation. You know, the comedians telling you you're funny is kind of a validation. And ultimately, you end up with three of the music industry's biggest prize, political or otherwise, which has got to be an incredible validation coming off of your work, you know, on these albums. And just in closing, I wanted to get an idea of what, you know, what validation means for you. Like, is it is it something important? Is it something you think about? Is it something encouraging, motivating? Um, no. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I don't know, I, I joke when I say Grammy check, though it would be nice to have one. And it's nice that my records won Grammys. And, you know, I'm acknowledged as, you know, having a Grammy-winning record or records. But I rarely talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I rarely go, you know, I go with Chris House, like, man, look at these Grammys. You know, and he has them all lined up. And I go, oh, man, okay. But other than that, I'm like, I told you it takes a lot right. for me to really get like, ah, oh, man, uh, it'll hit me for two seconds. And then... I'm a forward thinker. Like, right. that's cool and that's nice. And I'm bad business-wise because I should always... I should, man, if I used all this stuff, at least the good things and the accolades to boost my career, mm -hmm. I'm this. And then try to sell it to get something better. I just have a hard time doing that. Right. Like, I'm so... I don't know. Maybe it's the insecurity. It could be. It could be like, you know... I don't think it's my best work, so I don't feel as though I deserve it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Even though it's acknowledged as being, you know, good on a certain level or great in some regards. But to me, it's like, oh, I still didn't give you my best work, you mm -hmm. know. And I don't know what that is or when it is, but I haven't done it yet. So okay. I felt like I haven't arrived. So it's almost like, wow, okay. Now, what's going to happen? I'm going to make something great in my eyes. Like, oh, my God, I made it. And it's going to take 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Always the 10 years. Yeah. Well, uh, in the meantime, there will be many opportunities for you to drink Dr. Pepper. So <laughs> you will be okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are incredible works. Um, I think it's so awesome that you were able to inject so much of your humor and sensibilities into the work of like, you know, the hottest guy doing it for that generation, for that time span you know late 90s to, to mid 2000s he's the guy oh yeah he was yeah chris i mean even yeah today i mean say chris is the man i mean you know of course there's kevin hart and there's mm -hmm. dave and you know a lot of other up-and-coming comedians but uh you know he's definitely an icon for comedians i know his last special he did on netflix i think he might have put a record out did he i think so he didn't call you no i didn't get called see i don't know i think it's racial I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. But, yo, we, this is uh, how incredible it was that that happened. Shout out to Chris Rock. Yeah, shout out to Chris. He's the um, man. Yeah, he is. He is. Good guy. Very good guy. That's good to hear. You yeah. Because you don't hear that often. Nah, people nah. That you nah did, yeah. You know. No, usually, like, you find out the demons and people right. are like... He's, he's good. That nigga fuck horses on the low. I don't know. But I'm just saying. You know? <laughs> no, but, you know, my, my interactions have always been great. Really good guy, man. Like, I don't consider too many people friends, but I consider him a friend. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Which is, which is nice to say. Well, shout out to Chris Rock. Shout out to Friendship. And <laughs> shout out to one and only. How many of us have them? <laughs> shout out to one and only Prince Paul again. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and that's Prince Paul. Yeah, I forgot what was my tag. Uh, 
All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been another episode of What Had Happened Was. Mm-hmm.